In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show, or suggest topics or books from the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number 310-441-0555. And speaking of my Instagram, I have been posting before the show um, asking what I should talk about tonight on the Monday night shows. And lots of people have been responding. So We'll see if today I can get to some of those questions, but thank you to everyone for those responses. Um, and before I get to the book of the week for this past week that I'll talk about tonight, the book of the week for this week that I'll talk about on next Monday's show is Why Buddhism is True by Robert Wright. Why Buddhism is True, The Science and Philosophy of Meditation and Enlightenment by Robert White Wright. Uh, and this book actually was recommended to me by my brother Parham and I should mention that today is Parham's birthday and so I wanted to wish him a very happy birthday um, posted a picture of him and I from probably I was I don't know maybe six or seven years old but wanted to tell him happy birthday I love him very much not only is he my brother but also he is uh probably my best friend, or I can easily say he's my best friend. And I've talked about siblings before, especially on his birthday, and maybe I will again later today, but there's a lot to talk about. But siblings that play a very special role and unique role in our lives. You get to go through things with them in a way that you can't really with your parents or with your own children. There's some kind of solidarity there. And I've definitely experienced that in my life with him. So happy birthday, Parham. Love you. And actually, I'm happy I'll be seeing him after the show tonight. So get to see him soon. Um, so that's the book of the week for next week, Why Buddhism is True by Robert Wright. The book of the week from this past week that I'll talk about with you tonight is Together, Closer, The Art and Science of Intimacy and Friendship, Love and Family by Giovanni Frazetto. And uh, this was a very nice read, very different than what actually I expected. Uh, he presents the book in, I think it's eight chapters, and really in each chapter there is a story. So it's more through the stories that he shares um, his message, but also in those stories he adds science, including neuroscience and, and uh, other research that help support what he is talking about but this is such an important topic and i got a lot of positive responses just based on the title together closer and the fact that it was um, a book about intimacy because we know that's a topic that we talk about a lot or sometimes we don't and we don't know exactly what it is but we know it's important when you think about intimacy and sometimes we'll hear about fear of intimacy or um, sometimes people use the word being intimate to mean sexual action or interaction um, but it's obviously much more than that but it does include 
it could include sex. Um, but so this book did a great job of exploring some issues related to intimacy, including why and how so many of us are afraid of it. And I think that's so important that I've talked about this a lot because you see it happening so much and loneliness is becoming an epidemic and even um, experts in public health and medical fields are talking about this issue and he talks about it himself early in the book uh, he says loneliness is a world epidemic and um, we see that it's not just something that's unpleasant but loneliness is leading to deaths uh, when we look at the research we see that loneliness is actually uh, as big of a risk factor on the same level as things like obesity or smoking um, or lack of exercise. And so there was this slogan that was sitting is the new smoking because because of our sedentary lifestyles and many people in their working days sitting at an office or desk all day and not moving around much, they were seeing this big impact that sitting had that people were not being active. But the new one is loneliness is the new smoking because we're seeing that it's having huge impacts, not just on mental health, which is maybe where you would think it would have an impact, but huge impacts on health, physical health, and uh, even mortality rates or when people die, which is remarkable. Um, and even I think when we talk about, this is another one of those places where we try to separate medical health and mental health, but really we see that it's just all one big umbrella of overall well-being or overall health. We can try to separate them, but they're always so interconnected that it's hard to say where one begins and the other ends. But loneliness is a huge issue that we are dealing with. And I think there's lots of reasons for that, and I won't get too much into that, but just a few comments on that. Um, we definitely see a loss of sense of community. For example, in places like the United States, people are becoming much more isolated. People are maybe becoming less religious, and we can look at that in a variety of ways. But one issue there is that when you lose religion, you also lose community for a lot of people. It doesn't have to be the case, but that's something that does happen. For many people, their sense of community comes from their religious group. Now, I'm not saying everyone should become religious for that reason, but we have to be aware of the impact of when we lose um, that sense of community. It has an impact, and we have to find other ways of doing this. So I think we definitely see a lack of community or sense of community, so that isolates people. But I also think we see that people are becoming much more self-sufficient, which is good in some ways, but has negative consequences. So for example, a few generations ago, women were had a hard time taking care of themselves because they were not given the opportunities to do so. They were not given uh, the working chances still we see that there are discrepancies in the opportunities they have even though legally there's nothing in the way but if we just look a few generations ago we know it was even harder for a woman to take care of themselves by working and producing for for their own well-being but now we know that that's not the case and a man or a woman could very well take care of themselves and be okay and so people are choosing being okay and being comfortable over intimacy and that's where the problem lies or that's where the issue is that people are surviving they're okay if they don't get close to anyone or get that close to anyone but they aren't really feeling fulfilled they're not feeling happy and satisfied and they're not losing that feeling of loneliness and isolation and that's a big concern and i'm seeing this in other 
ways where even when it comes to sex or romantic relationships, we're even seeing people say that, well, robots are becoming more popular or the thought of it as having a boyfriend or girlfriend that's a robot is becoming more popular. And I think a big part of that is that people want to just be comfortable. When you have a robot boyfriend or girlfriend, you don't have to worry about uncomfortable conversations and feelings about letting them down or about being let down or about having issues arise that you don't know how to deal with or about infidelity or jealousy or any of those issues. So people are choosing or preferring comfort over true intimacy. And as he discusses in this book, Together Closer, intimacy essentially always requires risk. To allow ourselves to get close to someone else is going to involve some level of risk. We have to open ourselves up, essentially open ourselves up to get hurt. I've even heard uh, a way of saying this, that falling in love is allowing someone or giving someone the power to hurt you, trusting that they won't. So you recognize that by falling in love, by allowing yourself to get close to someone in that way, you can get really deeply hurt by that person. That's just the reality. They can break your heart by breaking up with you. They can be unfaithful. Something could happen to them even, and then you would be devastated. You recognize that you can be hurt by that person and what happens to them and what they do, but you're choosing to take that risk. And so we have to accept this, that there will always be some level of risk and because of that, even some feelings of discomfort when we decide to get close to someone. Also, we have to be ready to be vulnerable in order to get intimate with someone emotionally. You can't get close to someone without showing them your true colors, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But many of us fear that. We fear that if we show people who we are, really show them who we are, they won't love that because we think something about us and ourselves is unlovable and they're going to reject that. And that's what many people are afraid of. I don't want to let anyone in close because they're not going to like what they see. So to risk being intimate, we have to at some level love ourselves or at least accept ourselves. It's very cliche to hear that you, you can't really love someone unless you love yourself. And in that way, really, you can't let someone love you unless you love yourself because you won't. It'll be hard for you to allow them in to trust that who you are and what you are is lovable and that they can love you for who you are. So it's hard for you to let them love you and it's hard for you to love someone else. So we have to recognize that and that it can be much easier said than done and in some ways might be a lifelong journey. But throughout the book, he there's different stories. He shares one about a girl who has made up a fake boyfriend to essentially deal with her loneliness, but also to get her mom off her back, who is always um, talking to her about getting married. I'm sure a lot of listeners, especially a lot of the Persian listeners, can relate to that, getting pressure from family to get married. Uh, but that's what she's dealing with. And we hear her story. And you hear other stories of even fathers and daughters and their relationship. Because intimacy, again, is not just a sexual thing or has to be a romantic relationships. It's about closeness, which you can feel in different ways for different people in your life. You also read a story about two men who are together and you get the feeling that one of the men feels comfortable when he's in a position of power 
in general and especially in a relationship. He likes that feeling of control, of being the one who has the upper hand. But he has a partner who he actually realizes he can trust and let go and let him lead sometimes, but it's too scary for him. And so at one point he ends the relationship because we see that that type of genuine intimacy of actually being two equals, two people who neither one holds the upper hand. They don't have, there's not one of them that holds the power. They share the power together. That's too scary for him. And so it's nice because through these stories, you see the ways that people can be afraid of intimacy or might prevent themselves from experiencing true intimacy because of how scary it is. And truly it is scary. We know that it's not easy. And that's what I think is keeping so many people from actually pursuing relationships. And why does, why is there even a risk or what is this all coming back to? We can look at attachment theory and we are social animals. We do need others. And because of that, our brains are wired in a social way. Um, the book of the week a few weeks ago was Social by Dr. Matthew Lieberman, which looked at this idea that our brains are geared or even we can see that there's so much of our brain that's dedicated to being social because as social beings we need one another and especially as babies we are fully dependent on our parents our caregivers to take care of us or else there's no chance of survival so it made sense for us to have this mechanism this psychological mechanism of attaching because we needed to be open to connecting and almost vigilant to connect with that primary caregiver because we're going to be dependent on them. And of course, the relationship goes both ways. The parents form an attachment with the child too because they need the child to survive, to essentially pass on their genes. And that's how, you know, we get to survive as a species. But when we have this feeling of attachment, with it comes the pain of when you lose that person or when you receive some kind of injury in the relationship. That's why it hurts so bad. And like anything, if you want it to feel so good, you have to risk that you can get hurt. And this is what we see with intimacy. Sometimes I use the analogy of intimacy and climbing a mountain. If you want to stay at the base of the mountain because you don't want to get hurt, you can do that, but you're not going to see a great view. You're not going to experience much. It's going to be fairly dull, but you'll be comfortable. But if you really want to experience something beautiful, you have to risk climbing. And with climbing, you can get hurt during the climb, just like you can get hurt during relationships. And the higher you go up the mountain, the further you can fall. And that's what makes it scary. With each step you go up, the more pain you can feel. And so similarly in a relationship, the closer you get, the deeper that bond of intimacy the harder it can and will hurt if that relationship falls apart or somehow something happens in that relationship. That's the risk. But if you climb higher and higher together, then you get to enjoy that incredibly beautiful view that really only can be experienced. You can't describe it or put into words what it is. It's an experience. But you can only experience it if you take that risk to go higher together, to get closer connected and I say higher but another way we can look at it is getting deeper in our connection with one another we have to be ready that's always a risk and I think this book 
together closer does a good job of exploring these issues and adding the science of what it is about intimacy that scares us and also why it is so important. And it does so in a really nice way of weaving it into the stories, which I found interesting. So uh, I recommend this one. It's, it's also a shorter one too, about I think 147 pages or so. Together, Closer, The Art and Science of Intimacy in Friendship, Love and Family by Giovanni Frazetto. And again, the book of the week for this week is Why Buddhism is True by Robert Wright. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Duwakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, mm-hmm. hi. Thanks for calling. Am I talking to Dr. Hela Yes, you are. We're on the air. Thank yes. you so much for calling. Yes, I thank you very much, Dr. Hela uh, Are you the same person whom I talked to before minutes? Yes, yes. We were. I talked to you yes. on the break just to make sure you're still on the line. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, as I told you, I don't want to take time from, from the others also. Um, I, I am Armenian from Iraq, but settled in, in Austria since 25 years. And uh, I suffered a lot from my past, whether in general and uh, in private. So I'm living alone, uh, surviving and fighting to survive. Uh, I feel always sick. I go to doctors. I make uh, tests, uh, laboratory tests. Everything is okay with me. Everything is okay with me. Till yesterday, I was with internist uh, for heart and these problems. Now my problem is I, I cannot sleep. I cannot forget my past. Mm. I just want to forget my past so that I can sleep. I can relax. And everybody recommends uh, sleeping pills and this and that. I don't want to sleep with sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. I want to go and to bed and sleep for four hours are quite enough for me. I don't like to sleep the whole day or the whole night. Uh, I was very active, and now also I am very active if I find a job or something to busy myself. <laughs> so what? how can you help me, Dr. Hilakoui? I'm calling you from Austria. Hmm. Well, I, I'll Please. try to help you as much as I can with the time that we have, but more than likely you're going to have to do a lot of helping and probably get a lot more help Thank you. to Thank get you. help, you know, because there's a lot going on. And I know you said you go to the doctors and they tell you everything is okay. And it it seems like everything is physically okay with you, but it's emotionally where your pain yes. is. Yes. Yeah. Terrible, 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 yeah. terrible. And I'm, I'm terrible. sorry it's so terrible that what you've been through and we see how it's still affecting you. Uh, and I know you want to forget it, but what you might have to do is face it more directly and do that with a therapist. So don't do it on your own. But I think what you most definitely are going to need is to work through this trauma or whatever it is that you went through in your past. You're going to need to get some help. Have you seen a therapist before or a psychologist? Sorry? Have you ever seen a psychologist before? Yes, no, my doctor, my, uh, my doctor yesterday uh, recommended to visit a psychologist. Good. 
I think that's that's exactly what you're going to have to do because I think that's what the doctor is telling you is that your pain is not physical, it's emotional or it's coming from your past. And so I want you to be able to maybe not just forget, but especially move forward from your past. But it's interesting, sometimes we have to go revisit the past and heal those wounds before we can really move forward and not let them hold us back anymore. This is your recommendation, Dr. recommendation is to definitely um, see the, the psychologist and to be ready to commit to seeing the psychologist for a long time, at least six months, one year, because the way you're describing how painful your past was, there's a lot of pain that you're going to have to work on. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. And... Uh, um, um, it is horrible. Uh, everybody, a, a lot of doctors, they make checkups and they say you are 70, but your health is uh, 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 in a woman uh, in an age of eight, 18 or 20 years. Hmm. You are completely healthy. But what's the matter with you that you are always uh, nervous and you cannot sleep and and you cannot and you feel uh, pain here and there and there. Uh, the last advice yesterday was to visit a psychiatrist. Or psychology, psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, I'm mixing in English and, and German. Language. No, that's okay. Even uh, even in uh, America, people conv- confuse psychologists and psychiatrists all the time too. A psychiatrist yeah. can prescribe medication, whereas a psychologist cannot, and they'll yeah. do talk therapy. Y- you might need both. Uh, I would say just like how you don't, you know, I know you don't want to just take sleeping medication and sleeping medication is not going to be, you can maybe take it, but it's not going to be a long-term solution. It's not going to be what's going to solve what you're going through. But I would, so I'd highly recommend seeing a psychologist. Now, the things you kept saying that were so terrible from your past, did you have any, uh, what we call traumas or really something like let's say you either you saw someone die or you saw violence or you thought you were going to die or you were abused do you have any of those kind of experiences in your past uh, i was i was slapped in my face from my mm. nearest person in my family mm-hmm. uh, they were dishonest to me they were dishonest mm-hmm. whether husband or uh, not children but husband or, or or sisters and so on Slapped, despite being very nice, very helpful, and uh, very uh, sacrificed a lot to help. I was, uh, I was just burning myself like a candle for the others. But uh, uh, everything was put to the to the uh, paper containers. Sorry to say. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I'm, I'm really disappointed. But I, I try to fight, fight, and to stand on my own mm-hmm. feet. It's not easy alone. Yeah. It's not easy alone here, especially the the life uh, the lifestyle in Europe is not like ours in 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 our country or in in, in Armenian community. I am Armenian from mm-hmm. Iraq, and it's uh, uh, everybody running to survive. Everybody is busy. There is no social life uh, like ours at that time. Time is changing, of course. Mm-hmm. Life system is changing. Everything is getting expensive. Everybody runs to earn his living. Uh, I agree with them. But still, the, the, the difference between lifestyle, uh, it's too big. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know, I cannot, yeah. I, I well, 
you you need to have that social part, and that's uh, so. Let me say one thing first. The reason I asked you about your past, some of what you're describing, it sounds like it could be what we call post-traumatic stress disorder (PTSD), and that's something I want you to to think about. So it's PTSD. Look that up and see if you feel like you can relate to that. Um, but the other thing I really wanted to emphasize in what you were just saying is that you need to make sure, and I don't know if you were listening to the first segment of the show, but I was talking about how harmful loneliness can be and really how not just psychologically, but physically it just has such a big impact on us. And so you have to make an effort to connect with some people and maybe let's say look for an Armenian group, or if there's an Armenian cultural organization or something where you can find people that you feel like you can connect with. And of course, it doesn't have to be Armenians, but maybe that would be easier for no, you. No, of course not. Of course not. But it, if, it, if that might be an easier way to connect, but you have to make sure you have some close friends, some relationships, because you need that in order to do better, especially when what you're dealing with is so much emotional pain. You need some emotional support. And something you said before is that you're surviving. And I get that in how you're talking. And you've never really gotten the opportunity to just live and enjoy your life. And that's yeah. what you deserve to do with the rest of your life. And, and, and whatever you have left, you want to make it the best you can make it. So yeah. I would highly recommend the most important thing to me is that you go to therapy for a long time. Be ready to go for yeah. even years if you have to. You're, you deserve to get that healing from the therapy and also you want to make sure you build some relationships some friendships some connections because we can't survive without them we, we're social beings we need social yes. connections yes I don't have a book I mean I talk about books every week on the show so you can look at those ones that I recommend and each week I'll talk about them but I don't have a book. The one I read this week, maybe you'll like. I don't know if it's it's a new book, so I doubt it's been translated. I don't know what languages it's in. If you, but it has it's in English. I know you said something about German, so I don't know if you prefer German. Um, but you know, th there's lots of books that can help you. But we first have to know what's going on, because I get a feeling there could be some PTSD, but it's not clear. But clearly, you're dealing with depression and anxiety, and the fact that you can't sleep is really yes. difficult peace of mind is really priceless let me ask you something do you have nightmares or is there anything about sleeping that bothers you that makes it hard for you to sleep or is it a hard time falling asleep uh, no, nightmares <coughs> sorry <coughs> sorry i don't have night, uh, okay. nightmares at all at all mm -hmm. at all no, okay. i am i am i'm really a believer and i respect all religions and i am a believer but uh, this uh, the 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 problem is that I cannot forget my past, mm. and it is hurting me. It is hurting me too much. Yeah. And I must say also, frankly speaking, I don't cry too much, mm. uh, because uh, depressive people, they cry always. No, I laugh, I smile, and everybody who knows me uh, closer, uh, they are uh, surprised. How can I smile, and how can I laugh, mm. and how can I show that I am happy despite suffering financial and uh, and uh, private horrible uh, problems, mm -hmm. but still I face others with happy face and show well, that I am very happy. I'm not that depressive. Well, you, I, but I, let me, maybe, okay, let me say a few things. One is um, what you're saying 
you're saying, you know, I can be going through all this, but I put a happy face to other people. So some people, even if they are very unhappy and really feeling bad, they still will pretend like they're happy to other people because they don't want to make other people sad. So that could be part of what you're describing. So that's one thing, and I want you to be aware of that, especially because the way you described your survival mode and the way you described yourself, that could be the way you interact with people is that, you think you always have to make them feel good. You can never make them feel bad. And that's really important for you to realize that when we have people that care about us, we have to let them be there for us too. We have to tell them we're unhappy. We have to show them when we're in pain because they can help us just like we can help them when they are in pain. That's what part of what we get from being close to one another. So that's something I want you to, to think about. But another thing you mentioned that's important about depression First of all, sometimes when people get depressed, they say, I'm actually not very sad. They feel dull or they feel numb. So sometimes they don't feel a lot of anything and that could still be depression. And the other thing is sometimes people have this idea that if you're depressed, you have to be crying all the time and sad all the time and you're never laughing or smiling. But that's not true because even people who are very, very depressed, they can tell jokes, they can laugh. They're not crying all the time but they are feeling depressed a lot of the time or a good part of the time. Or maybe for you, you're feeling depressed when you're alone, but when you're other, around other people, you don't show it. Because you see, it's very sad, you'll sometimes hear about someone who uh, committed suicide and you'll see them a day or two before in a video laughing and smiling and joking, and people are shocked mm -hmm. to see that that's what happened. So I don't want you to think that because you laugh sometimes or you can tell jokes or smile, that means that you are definitely not depressed. You still might be. We want to understand what's going on. But I want you to be aware that just because you're happy sometimes doesn't mean you are not necessarily depressed or going through some serious mental issues. That I'm happy your doctor recommended psychologist. And just go forward and be ready that it's not going to be easy, but you deserve to work on yourself to heal your past and to feel better now and to have a better future going forward. And by the way, doctor, actually, in two months, I will undergo operation for my knee. I mm. will get new new knees uh, okay. on my right. Uh, uh, I think this, do you think that this also plays a role, I mean, uh, psychologically? Because I, I have I, I have so uh, 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 panic or horror from operation or from doctors. Well, uh, well, something, you know, it, it, clearly in hearing you talk, I feel a lot of anxiety. So I could yeah. imagine you're someone who worries about things a lot. Um, yes. You know, of course, operation, I, I can't give you any guarantee, but if it's a knee operation, you can be confident that the doctors, you'll be in good hands and they're going to take care yes. of you. Yes. And of But course, I can understand you're, are, you won't feel, you know, you might be a little bit nervous about it. That's expected to be a little nervous about going to the operation, but that might have an impact. But what you're talking about seems much bigger than just, this knee operation and even how you feel about this knee operation is affected by everything you went through. So I think the most important thing for you is I'm glad the, the doctor told you to see a psychologist. Start that as soon as you can. And like I said, be ready to go for a long time. Sometimes people think I'm going to go two or three times. I should feel better. But the amount of pain you're talking about, be ready to go for at least, let's say, six months, even a year before you even should think about stopping. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
doctor, can can my daughter? She has Facebook and Instagram yeah. or uh-huh. these things. Yeah. Uh, I have I have a laptop. I have internet. I have, but uh, Facebook I don't have, and I don't want to have it because it will hurt me too much. Um, no, I don't want to have it. Okay. So is it possible that she keeps in contact with you under my name? Is it possible? It, you know, it's hard for me to guarantee that I'll be able to get because I do get a lot of messages there to say I definitely will get to keep in touch. You can feel free to call back again. Um, you can have her message me. I just wa- I don't want to say I for sure will get to get back to you because I I don't I can't always do that because sometimes many messages come through or depending on how much back and forth there is. So she can she can reach out to me. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. She can reach out to me, but feel free to call back in. Let me know how you're doing. But please go forward with the therapy and give yourself that. And I hope that'll be a path towards healing all the pain you have. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for calling. I appreciate your time oh. and your your help. Thank and you. If any progress comes to me, I will call you again just to say thank you. Oh, you're um, so kind. I hope so. I hope my, you'll call me. Even if you don't call me, I wish you all the best in what you're doing. I really appreciate you nice. calling, you. and I'm glad I got to thank talk you. to you. And I know over there it's morning, so have a nice day. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, thank oh, you very thank much. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. You. Thank you. All right, going into our last commercial break, studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Thanks Dr. for Hamra. calling. Thank you for calling. Question I have is when antidepressant medication fails and you're referred to do a shock therapy. <laughs> PMS shock therapy. Just want to get your opinion on that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, there are a lot of uh, different types of treatments for what we call treatment-resistant depression when medication as a work therapy doesn't seem to work. And one of them is uh, TMS or transcranial magnetic stimulation. There's also electroconvulsive therapy, ECT, and I think a lot of times these therapies get a bad rap, and I think it's good for people to read the research on them. Um, I don't think usually you use it as a first case or a first uh, option, but something like electroconvulsive therapy, because of how it was done in the past, and people saw things like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where um, it probably was done in ways that shouldn't have been done before, but it's becoming much more, uh, maybe humane isn't even the right word because it is humane, but the ways we do it is different than it was before. I don't do it myself, but people that do, they make sure the person is receiving the treatment that's beneficial with minimal negative effects. And we're talking about severe cases of depression where the person is catatonic or not leaving the room or severely suicidal or just really, really depressed. And I think we have to be aware that sometimes we can have judgments about different types of treatments. So if someone says uh, it's just meditation, we say it's okay. But if it's a shock therapy, even if the research shows that it can be helpful, people are going to just have a negative reaction and just say, no, we shouldn't do that. So I'm not against those types of treatments at all. I, I look at the research every so often in the science to see what it's saying. And there is evidence that it can be helpful. I saw a 60 minutes 
segment on ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, that showed that for some people it could be very helpful to get them out of a very, very severe depression that doesn't seem to get better with anything else. So I think we have to be ready to look at these options. And because you brought that up, if you don't mind, I'll mention something else, which is other types of treatments using even what we consider recreational drugs or what were once recreational drugs that might have some promise in treating mental illness. For example, ketamine, which um, I think sometimes would be called special K and used as a party drug and even as I think a mild horse tranquilizer, there is some evidence that it can be helpful in depression or in treating depression or as a short-term treatment. Or there is um, new research on MDMA, which is the chemical in the drug ecstasy, which it can be used for things like PTSD. And actually, the, the client, uh, the, the caller was talking about that in the preview. I mentioned that's a possibility for her, PTSD. But if I tell people, you, you know, give your son or daughter ecstasy for their PTSD, many people are just going to automatically say no. And of course, it's different than just pure ecstasy. But because of that connotation we have with the fact that it's a recreational drug, we might react very differently than if we didn't say it was actually MDMA, but we said pharmaceutical company has come out with a new drug that's very beneficial for PTSD. People would likely have a different reaction. So we have to be open-minded when it comes to these things and realize that we have biases that are going to get in the way of us really looking at the science to see what it's telling us because there's lots of ways of healing that sometimes might seem unconventional or might violate some type of norm or rule we had for ourselves but we want to try our best to be open-minded to see what's actually there and not go forward with blinders on right right yeah no i like that I, uh, tms in particular is non-invasive mm -hmm. something that uh, better than electroshock therapy or well i mean electroconvulsive therapy looks maybe looks a little bit worse although the way they do it doesn't look as bad um but in a way it's not necessarily invasive as in they don't go into the body in any way um it might seem yeah tms might seem less you know when you look at the patient it might not look as bad and, and so we might not like the way it looks to see someone go through it you can see videos of people getting electroconvulsive therapy now and it's not so bad anymore they kind of clench up a little bit but it's not as bad some people do experience things like some amnesia that usually is temporary but it might not go away for some people i know i, I read that um somewhere so of course these things aren't without side effects but really any treatment like this is is uh not going to be without side effects and again we're talking about severe depression so we're not just saying if you're kind of having a down day go get ect we're saying if you've been depressed for two years and therapy and medication and exercise and meditation and everything else is not creating any change this is another avenue to try to see if that can help you so uh, i'm all in favor of exploring these avenues to see what's there and i hope people will be open to them because i think when you hear even shock therapy just sounds so cruel or something we used to do in animal research or something really bad or torture even sounds it sounds like a torture but it is something that can help people and so i don't want people to write off something that could be potentially helpful especially when we're talking about severe depression um, which can be either life almost ending if someone is suicidal or 
take away someone's life or they really just can become like a vegetable when they're so severely depressed and that's really sad so uh that's uh, i'm glad you're asking that because i want people to be aware of these treatment options and not just write them off thank you no you answered my question okay good sure oh thank you <laughs> oh thank you i'm glad you called in and thank you for that question have a good night Thank you. Bye-bye. So uh, as I mentioned with her, I'm, I'm glad she brought up that question because there is a lot of research coming out on these different types of treatments, especially for uh, different types of what we would consider usually recreational drugs that are being used for different reasons. And I think for a lot of people that I've talked to, and even I've realized I might have this bias myself, so I'm thinking about it myself, there's this tendency to think that if it's a recreational drug then or a drug that was used or is used recreationally then that shouldn't be a treatment or even when people say marijuana that was a big controversy people saying well what if marijuana can help people with um, their anxiety or with different things that they are dealing with and I think for a lot of people because they would just think okay marijuana weed this illegal drug of course now it's not really illegal anymore almost anywhere in the U.S., but this illegal drug, this kind of bad drug that the bad people are doing or however they would look at it, it can't be good. It has to be bad and no one should use it. Or when I say MDMA, what's in ecstasy can be used for PTSD. I think for a lot of people, their initial reaction is, oh, come on, like, what do you mean? Like, they just take it to feel happy and it's going to make them feel better. Um, or even MDMA for depression or ketamine for depression. I think we have to be careful that we don't get rid of what might be very helpful treatments for people, what has promise, just because uh, of some association we have that it's a recreational drug. Because when we hear it's a pharmaceutical drug, we see it very differently. And really, there shouldn't be that difference. We're introducing some type of chemical to the body, and it's going to have some effect. And sometimes those effects are not things that we expected or things that we thought or might have been used in a different way, but we find that there is a, another use for it. Even I think Botox was originally used to reduce headaches, and then they saw that it actually paralyzed the muscles, and so it could be used to do things like reduce wrinkles. So a lot of times uh, there are serendipitous findings in ways that people see something can be used in a way that it was not used before. So if you are someone or have a family member with severe depression that is treatment resistant and nothing seems to help, you've tried medication and then switched another medication, therapy, meditation, exercise, or even maybe they can't even get themselves to exercise. But if you know a family member who has been going through severe depression and it's not getting better, I would say explore these options. Talk to a psychiatrist or a psychologist about these other options. Things like TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, and also other things like ketamine, which I myself... I'm still on the fence. I don't want to endorse that fully. I know it's an option, um, but I know some people are using it for short-term relief that might get them out of a very deep depression, and then they have to do the rest of the work, which is basically the way antidepressants work too. To me, I never look at antidepressants as the solution. And with the caller I had in the previous segment, when we were talking about sleeping pills. If you have sleep problems, 
sleeping pills are not going to be the long-term solution almost always. They might help you in the short term. Of course, you have to be careful because of their addictive quality. Um, but you use antidepressants to get yourself out of the really low place, and then you have to do the rest of the work. The way I sometimes explain it to clients is that it's like you're in this you're in a really deep pit. And what the antidepressant might do is get you a little bit up halfway out of that pit, but you have to climb the rest of the way. It's going to be up to you to do hard work. The pill itself is not going to be the solution, but it can be a big aid in getting you out of that really low place to give you the strength and the momentum to get better. But you're going to have to still do a lot of the hard work. And so these other drugs that are out there and being researched and these other treatments like ECT and TMS are things we should look at. And I'm happy people are doing research on these alternative methods and hopefully there'll be more science to understand them. And if they are helpful, then they will become less alternative and more mainstream as people will see the benefits um, that they can have. Okay, we're getting close to the end of the show. And I wanted to say I appreciate everyone asking questions. And because of the way on Instagram it works, I don't get to keep track of them. I write some of them down to talk about in future episodes. But please feel free to message me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter your topics for the show. Or, of course, you can always call in. That's even a better way to make sure your topic gets talked about. Um, And also books to talk about on the show because I'm always looking for new books to read and to make books of the week to talk about on the show. So please feel free, and I appreciate people who do send in their suggestions. And actually, this week's book of the week uh, was a suggestion by a very close person to me, Parhams, who, who again, I want to wish him a very happy birthday. Um, but he recommended this week's book, Robert Wright, Why Buddhism is True, The Science and Philosophy of Meditation, and enlightenment. So look forward to reading that and sharing it with you on next Monday's show. But again, a very happy birthday to Parham. All right. Thank you to all the callers and the listeners out there and to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delakwi. Have a wonderful night. 